Welcome to Mosaic Podcast. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church, Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome everybody. As Hannah said, my name is Hannah O'Shea. I feel so encouraged from that time of worship, I don't know about you. I kind of feel like maybe I don't even need to preach because like half of my preach was bought at the front, so um, I'm quite excited about that. Can I just um, get a bit of participation? This morning everyone seemed a little bit like they weren't really with me. Can I hear like a woo? Well done. Can I hear like an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Any point in the preach, I say anything that's good, you are free to say anything like that. It would really encourage me. Um, okay, well done, Matt. So for the past two weeks, we've been looking together at the prayer life of Jesus. The first week, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and then we're in the um, second of three weeks looking at Jesus' prayer in John 17. Last week, we looked at how Jesus prays up to God. Next week, we're going to be looking at how Jesus prays out for the world. But this week, we're looking at how Jesus prays in for the community of believers. And what we find in these verses is that Jesus is praying that his followers would be a united community that transforms the world by being in the world, yet not of the world, by being sanctified yet sent. If tonight you're here and you're struggling to know what the purpose or the meaning of your life is, then I really hope that this passage might show you that you really do have a purpose here on this earth. If you're here tonight and you maybe you're struggling to know like, how to make an impact in the world around us, then I really believe this passage is going to teach us something about how we do that. If you're here tonight and maybe you're not that sure about the church and maybe the thought of praying and fasting together is making you feel a little bit uncomfortable, then I really hope that this passage might provoke you and show you why the church is essential, why we should be excited about being part of the people of God. And somewhere in that, I hope that we'll be learning something about prayer together. So this week we're looking at John 17 and we're starting in verse 6 and going through to verse 19. So if you have a Bible, do you want to get that out? If not, don't worry, the verses will come up on the screen. And I'm going to read those to us and then hopefully I'll unpack a little bit about what Jesus is saying. So verse 6, he's praying to his father. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. 
While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So, as we learnt last week, though this prayer can seem rather confusing at first, I don't know how you found reading through that passage together, it really does deserve our attention. It's the longest of Jesus' prayers that we have, and we actually get to hear the content of his conversation with the Father. A lot we get to hear sort of the one-liners as he prays for the sick and he prays for people to be delivered, but in this passage we actually get to hear what it is he's saying, him pouring his heart out to his Father. And this prayer is the culmination of Jesus' final teaching to his disciples. The previous verses, he's been at the Last Supper in the upper room and he's been sharing with them the sort of last bits of teaching before his arrest and death. The next chapter, he's arrested and he goes to the cross. So can you see this prayer comes at a crucial point in Jesus' life. He is in the face of death and suffering. We get to hear what comes out when he's really under pressure. But also, this is like an emotional goodbye. Imagine like a soldier going to war and what he wants to say to his family as he leaves, or when a parent sends their child on their first day of school. It's an emotional goodbye. For me, sort of my emotional goodbye was when I was 18, I went off to Argentina for five months. It seems very short now, but at the time, it was a big deal. And it was really hard. It was emotional. And before I left, I wanted to sort of get out everything I could, communicate with my my family what I thought of them. So I wrote them each a little letter and sort of told them what I loved about them. I wanted, before I left, to tell them how much I cared for them. And that's something of what we get to see here. Jesus is desperately wanting his disciples to be prepared, to give his last bits of advice. And actually, we don't often notice it, but this prayer is part of his final teaching. So we didn't read the verse, but if you look at verse 1 of the chapter, it doesn't say, maybe like we'd expect, that Jesus took himself off to pray to his Father. But he, right there, after teaching them, he lifts his eyes to heaven and prays. He wants them to see what he's doing. He wants them to listen. He's practically demonstrating something. And in this passage, he particularly wants them to hear what it is he prays for them. And we get the same privilege today. We get to hear what it is that Jesus desperately wants for his community of believers. And so we get to hear what it is he wants for us. We get to listen and learn. So I hope you're excited. So firstly, what does this passage teach us? Well, the first thing I want to suggest is it teaches us how we are to pray. 
I wonder if I asked you that question, what you would answer. How do you pray? How do you come to God? Maybe you come to God quite nervously. You sort of approach him slowly, particularly if you've had a bad week, you know, where you're like, I haven't really prayed that much and I haven't read my Bible and I've messed up. And you sort of nervously come into his presence. Or maybe you sort of, you come in really confidently. Maybe you only prayed yesterday, you read your Bible this morning and you like waltz in, swaggering, because you think, I've done a pretty good job. He's going to be pleased with me. How you answer this question will tell you everything about what you think God is like and what you believe he thinks of you. I know for me, if I'm honest, my tendency is to go to God differently depending on how I think my performance has been. So if I think I probably haven't been that great this week, particularly if I feel like I haven't prayed for a while, then my sort of first reaction would be to come to him slowly, as if if I go slowly, I'm earning his approval, and by the time I get there, he'll be pleased with me. But sometimes, if I think I've done a good job, I like run in, ask what I want, think, yeah, he's definitely going to answer me because I am pretty good. I have got it all wrong. I'm coming to him on my performance rather than his. So what what do these verses teach us about how we should pray, about who God is and what he thinks of us? Well, will you look with me at verse 6? It says this, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. Now, please listen carefully to this. Verse 6 says something incredible. If you're a Christian here today, this verse tells you, you belong to him. You are his. In fact, it says, you've always been his. You were his and he gave you to Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 4 to 5 says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. You'd done nothing at that point, let me tell you. Nothing good or bad. He chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship, to become his children. Through who? Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and his will. He was not reluctant. He wanted to do it. He wanted to choose you and to make you his. He is our Father. We heard that so much during the worship. We get to call him like, more than just Father. I don't call my dad Father. I call him Dad. Or when I was little, I called him Daddy. We get to call God Abba, Daddy. Because of what Jesus did, not because of anything you have done, we get to be children. And Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I kind of think, oh, maybe Jesus, like, by doing what he did, he changed God's mind. Like, God was really, like, angry at us. And then Jesus did what he did, and then the Father changed his mind. That is not what the Bible tells us. The Father loved us so much that he sent his only son to bring us back to him. The Father was not reluctant. He wanted to. 
And do you understand how much confidence that gives you when you come to pray? There's no need to creep in or even to run in because I've done really well. I come to God when I pray because he's my dad and I am his child. It is incredible. I get to be with him. Nothing I can do can change that. Nothing you can do can change that. You don't earn the right to be your parents' children, do you? Do you? You just are their children. That's the reality. When you're born, you don't like get to change your parents. That's your your parents' children. And you don't earn a relationship with God either. Now, for you, this might be difficult. I don't know like what your backgrounds are, maybe what your relationship is with your parents, particularly your dad. Now, I love my dad, but the reality is is that he like has quite a lot of issues. He's you know, he's he wasn't really around when I was little. He worked a lot and he just finds it very difficult to be emotionally available for me. So I never really, growing up, I never really spent time just with my dad. He was sort of there, but very distant. So for me, learning what it means for my father to want to spend time with me is pretty difficult. And even this week, I just realized again how my learned behavior is to, when things are difficult, is to just get on with it, because that's what I did when I was growing up. And so even now... Sort of, I was pretty. I felt pretty stressed this week. Lots of stuff going on, and my reaction was to sort of shut down and just knuckle, knuckle down. And I suddenly realised, what am I doing? I get to approach my father. My father wants to help me. He provides for me. He wants to protect me. I don't need to do that myself. It's difficult, but the truth is that God is your loving father, and He desperately wants to show that to you. And when I get it, and when you get it, we will be motivated to pray because it's about a relationship. We don't have to. It's not tick the box, oh, yeah, I've got to go and like go through these things. Even the prayer booklets are great, but don't just leave it there. It's got to be a living relationship where you get to be with him. There's not like, an agenda. You just get to sort of... <laughs> hear what he wants to say to you and hang out with him and share with him how you feel. Does, does that motivate you to pray? It's not going and just saying things. You get to be with him and he wants to speak to you. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to tell you that Christianity is not a religion. So, like, I hope you've heard that maybe from the people that have brought you today, but let me tell you again, it is not a religion, it's a relationship with the living God. And even this evening, he wants to welcome you into his arms as his child, as his son. That is incredible. And there's an opportunity for you tonight to know the embrace of a loving father. If you're struggling with prayer, if you lack motivation, or you've only really ever known prayer as like telling God a list and asking for things, then can I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you how much your Father loves you and how much he wants to be with you. And please let that be a motivation to pray. It's so much more important how we pray than what we pray. We're going to get to that, but it's so much more important how we pray, how we approach him. 
run to him like a child. Be bold. As the first song we sang, boldly come to him, particularly during this prayer week. Okay, so that's how we pray. But what about what we pray? Maybe you're like, yeah, I know that. I want to pray, but I don't know what to pray for. I want to pray for this community of believers, but what should I be asking for? Well, Jesus um, helps us, and I want to look at two main things. Firstly, he prays for unity. Let's look at verse 11 together. He prays, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and I kept them safe by the name that you gave me. So what's Jesus praying for? He's praying that we, as believers, would be one as Jesus and the Father are one. Now that is close. He's praying that we would be united of one mind and one heart. Jesus is, remember, he's talking to the Father just before he's about to leave his disciples. And he's concerned for them because he knows the human heart far too well. It's the reason that he's about to go and die. He knows, and you and I, if we admit it, all know that of ourselves, we are selfish. We look out for number one. It's difficult for us to put others first. We fight for our own agendas. And so far, Jesus is saying, I've kept the disciples together. Me being with them, I've stopped them from fighting and hurting one another. And he says he's kept them together by his name, the name the Father gave him. Now, by name, it's really important that we understand that Jesus isn't talking about a word. He's not talking about, like, Hannah, the word, or Jesus, the word. He's talking about much more than that. In the Old Testament, when Moses asked God to reveal his, to tell him his name, it was so that he could tell the Israelites who God was, what was he like, what was his nature. And that is what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, it was your nature revealed in me that's kept the disciples together. Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus, the Son, is the radiance of God's glory, and he's the exact representation of his being. Jesus showed us what God was like. He revealed to us God's nature. So what is that name? What was the nature that Jesus showed us? What did he show us that the Father was like? He showed us that God is a self-giving, sacrificially loving servant who would lay down his life. Can you see how that is the only way that we can be united? To stay united we have to be able to lay down our lives to one another. If you've ever had a relationship, which I presume is true for most of you here, particularly if it's been a successful relationship or friendship or in your family, you'll know that relationships take a lot of forgiveness, don't they? A lot of laying our lives down for one another, a lot of sacrifice. Pete and I, there's a picture, 
Pete and his family are right here on the second row as well, which is fun. Um, Pete and I are getting married this summer, yeah. <laughs> which is very exciting. And as we've sort of journeyed through our relationship up to this point, but particularly as we prepare to get married, we are learning this reality. The fact that we've sort of got to this point in our relationship, we've had to ha- like forgive each other a lot, haven't we, Pete? Look at me. <laughs> We've had to like, learn what it looks like to lay down our agendas and our desires. We've had to learn what it means to put each other first. There have been times when I've offended Pete and I've upset him and I've made massive mistakes. And he's had to forgive me. He's had to accept my apology. He's had to like, learn what it is to, to put me first. And I've had to learn what it is to put him first. But do you know the only way that we've been able to do that is because we have first been forgiven. I would not be able to forgive Pete if I didn't first know the forgiveness that I've received. I particularly would find it really hard to go and say sorry. I'd be too ashamed. I'd be like, I've just like made so many mistakes. I can't be forgiven. I've done too much. But because I've known the forgiveness of my God, I'm able to go to Pete and say, I'm so sorry that I've offended you. And when he does the same for me, I'm able to say to him, that's fine, I forgive you because I have been forgiven. Jesus has paid for all of my mistakes. He's paid for all of Pete's mistakes. He's paid for all of your mistakes. And that is the only way that we really can forgive one another. Unless you know God's love Unless you know his mercy and his grace, how are you going to give it to anybody else? Unless we're first reconciled to God, how can we really be reconciled to one another? Can you see how we need to know God's nature if we're going to ever be united? If you look around us now, um, there are so many different people that make up this church, and particularly sort of the, if you come in the morning, there's loads of different ages, people from different backgrounds, different um, races. We are so different. And if we're ever going to be united, being one as Jesus and the Father are one, we have got to know God's nature, don't we? There's no way that we can be one without receiving God's forgiveness, mercy and grace, and then pouring that out for each other. So can I ask you, in what ways are you not united with others? Is there unforgiveness in your heart tonight? This evening, do you need to receive God's forgiveness for you so that you can pour it out to another? Maybe even somebody here, I don't know. Maybe there's someone that you need to go to and ask them to forgive you or you need to forgive them. Or, can I ask you, do you like, only spend time with people that are like you, are really easy to get on with? And so actually, when I talk about this kind of forgiveness, you're not really connecting with it because you, haven't really, you don't put yourself in relationships that require this kind of lifestyle. Or maybe you're here and you've been around for a while, but you keep yourself on the fringe so that You don't really have to do what it is that I'm talking about. Can I gently sort of provoke you and encourage you to think about it, what it looks like for you to be unified here? 
Jesus calls us to the kind of unity that takes forgiveness and it takes sacrifice. What does it look like for you to really experience that kind of unity here amongst us? What is the Holy Spirit challenging you on tonight? And know that if this is hard for you, if you think, actually, I'm scared, I don't know if I really have what it takes, let me tell you, you do, because God will be the one to give it to you. It's the Holy Spirit that fills our heart with love so that we can pour that out for each other. And particularly at a time such as this, we really need this prayer to be answered. If you've been around over the last few weeks, you'll know that in a couple of weeks, um, Matt's going to be speaking to us about where we're going next as a church family. And it's kind of a moment where like, the enemy could really get in and divide us. But my prayer is that when Matt shares with us that there's kind of a united cry from us, one heart and one mind as we say, yes, we are in this together and we are going forward as one united people, a community of God on a mission together. Thanks, Matt. (laughs) So what should we pray for us here at Mosaic? What does this passage tell us to pray for each other? Well, pray that we'd be unified, that we'd be a people who love sacrificially, who repent, say sorry to one another, and forgive. But please can I ask you that as you pray, let yourselves be changed. Let God speak to you to show you kind of any ways in which you need to interact with him as you, as you pray. Be unified. So firstly, Jesus prays for unity. What else does he pray for? Well, In the last few verses, there are two key ideas that come together as one. It's almost like two sides of a coin. They're the ideas that Jesus' followers are to be in the world, yet not of the world. I don't know if that phrase is familiar to you. Jesus puts it another way. He says his followers are to be sanctified, yet sent. And I want to look at those ideas a little bit more closely. Can you see in verses 14 to 16, Jesus uses the word world, it's a tongue twister, um, several times. Firstly, he says, the world has hated them, that's the disciples. And then he says, they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. And then he says again, they're not of the world even as I am of it. So Jesus is very clear, he's saying, his disciples are not of this world. It's like they're of a different realm. The Bible says when we become a Christian, we die to this world and we are alive in Christ. It's like we become new creations. We become children of God with different DNA. If we follow a different way of life. We don't follow the way of the world. We follow the way of Jesus. And what's the consequence of that? Well, the Bible says the world will hate them. People won't understand us. Some of us will experience persecution and suffering. Many believers across the world experience persecution and suffering for their faith because the world does not understand people who live the way of Jesus. Okay, so that's clear. We're not to be of the world. We're of a different realm and the world will hate us or might hate us. But what about verse 15? Can you read it together with me? Jesus prays, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Do you know, I didn't expect you to join with me, but I love that. (laughs) Um, I don't know about you, but 
when I read that passage, I get a little bit confused because it seems like Jesus is saying two different things. He's saying, they're not of the world, the world will hate them. And then he says, but I'm not praying that they're taken out of the world. Why does he say that? It seems so strange to me. Surely if we're not of the world, then we get to like go out and go be with him. But this is so important if we're to understand what we're here for, what our lives on earth are all about, what we should be doing, how we should be living, and how we should be praying. Jesus wants a people to live a different way, yes. He wants us to be completely different. We're new creations. We're children of God, so we're to be like our Father. We're to talk like him and act like him and love the people that he loves. But we are to be in the world. The Bible is so clear. We're not to take ourselves out. There have been Christians in history that kind of withdraw to protect themselves, to stay holy and morally pure. They think they get the bit about the world is different and they they don't want to be kind of polluted by the world. And they even separate themselves from some Christians who they don't think are holy enough. But Clearly, those people have not read all the verses here. They did great at being not of the world, but terrible at being in the world. Jesus wants his followers to get stuck in with the world around them, just like Jesus did. If you've read the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus like, talked to loads of people. He went to parties. He spent time with the poor. He spent time with the rich. He ate meals. He drank with them. He was a people person. He loved people. And he wants us, he wants you to do the same. He wants you to be different, yes, but he wants you to be in the world. He wants you to play sports. If you love playing sports, he wants you to play them, but differently because you're children of him. If you like, I don't know, bird watching, he wants you to watch birds, but differently because you're like him. Or like, I don't know, dancing, or if you like business, whatever your dream is, whatever you love spending your time doing, hear me, you have permission. Go and do it. Like, enjoy it. Spend time with those people because God wants you to be in the world. But as you're doing it, remember, he wants you to be different. He wants you to make an impact for him. If Christians are not in those places, if they're not in like the sports world and the media and in business, those places, or politics, those places will never be impacted for the gospel. We need to be out there in the world, but staying different. Jesus puts it another way. He prays that his followers would be sanctified. I don't know if you noticed that word in the reading. And I don't know about you, but when I, read, when I sort of read or hear that word, certain things come to mind. So I think, oh, that must mean to be like perfect and morally pure and, and sort of do like to do all the right things. And that's something of what it means. But here, it can't mean just that. Because Jesus says... Let them be sanctified just as I sanctify myself. So can you see how it can't really just mean that because Jesus is already pure and morally good. He can't make himself more perfect. Here, sanctified means to be set apart, 
to be set apart for a distinct purpose. It means to be wholly devoted to God. And can you see how that's true for Jesus, isn't it? So, yes, he was morally pure and perfect, but he, can, he sanctified himself as he went to the cross because he was wholly devoted. His gaze was fixed on the purpose that God had sent him to earth for. And that is what Jesus is praying would be like. And, of course, that results in us living pure and holy lives because we have our gaze set towards God But it is more than that. It is like an obsession with God's purposes, with him, like complete devotion. We don't have room for anything else because all we want is to be like devoted to what God has for us, to not be of this world, to be completely his. But verse 18 says, as you sent me into the world... I have sent them into the world. Earlier in John, Jesus said these famous words, you may know them. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whomever might believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. The father loved us so much that he sent his only son, the son he loved beyond our comprehension to die so that we could have relationship with him. And Jesus is saying here that we are to be like him. We're to be sent, just as the Father sent the Son, so the Son now sends us into the world to reveal what he's like. And can you see how with both of these ideas, being in the world and not of the world, being sanctified yet sent, that it is so important that both are true. If we're to have any impact in this world, we cannot have one without the other. They're like two sides of a coin. If you're here this evening and you would say, oh, like I am different, I'm wholly devoted to God, but you're never like out there in the world. Maybe, I don't know, like maybe you don't have any friends or you don't really do anything with your time. There's, There's no one that can see that you're any different. There's no one to be impacted by the fact that you're different. You, there's no one that you can affect. But if you're fully in the world, like you spend loads of your time playing sports, you, I don't know, you, you're bird watching all the time with loads of other bird watchers, <laughs> whatever it might be. If you're not different, do you know you have nothing to offer? You can only offer people what they already have, which, like, at that point is death. Like, they they don't, like, that's where they're headed. If you don't, if you're not any different, then how can you, like, offer them life? I led um, a table on intro. You heard the notice about it at the beginning. I led a table on intro a few years ago. And you know what was amazing was that potentially almost, almost everybody on the course, and I imagine that's the case for, for most courses, almost everyone was there because they'd been friends with somebody or they'd worked with somebody or they'd studied with somebody or whatever who were completely different. And often you'd talk to them and you'd say, oh, so, you know, why are you here? And they'd say, oh, I've, I've been friends for ages with Joe Bloggs and... They just, they were really different. 
They listened to me. They cared for me. When everyone was gossiping at work, they didn't do that. And I started asking them, oh, what, what's all that about? And they told me, they told me that God had changed their lives. And so they came. They wanted to find out what, what that was all about. Can you see how if those people weren't in the world, their friend would have never known them? And if they weren't any different, they would have never noticed and they would have never asked the question. They were living out what Peter talks about in 1 Peter when he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. They were in the world, but not of the world. They were sanctified, wholly devoted to God, but sent. Can I ask you, where do you think you are with this? Do you feel like you have a leaning one way or the other? Do you feel like you would say today, yeah, I'm really in the world, I get stuck in, but actually, I don't think anyone would notice the difference. I don't think I'm distinct. I don't really think I have anything to offer them. Or are you really distinct, but you're sort of withdrawn? You're not in the world. No one really gets to see God working through you. Tonight, can I ask you, where do you need the Holy Spirit to help you? As we approach the week of prayer, we are praying for things, but prayer is so much more than that. It's ours being changed by God, the unchanging God. He gets to mould us, he gets to guide us, he gets to lead us and teach us. In this week of prayer, can I ask you, let God like, capture your devotion again. If you would say, you're here tonight and you're not wholly devoted to God, you've given your devotion to other things. Like, let God capture your heart, particularly this week. Let him like, get your whole gaze Everything else, let let it just fall away. Let him set you apart for his purposes. But also, be open to him. Let him show you where he wants to send you, where he wants you to be more in the world. Who does he want you to talk to, maybe, as you go about your day? How does he want you to impact and bless your workplace or your family or your housemates? Maybe God will show you someone he wants you to invite to intro in a couple, that starts in a couple of weeks. There are so many ways that you can be sent to reveal God's nature to the people you rub shoulders with. So what should we pray for each other? Well, pray that as a people, we would be set apart. We'd be distinct. And pray as Jesus prayed that we'd be protected from the evil one the enemy. He wants to distract us, to draw us away from God. He wants to do anything so that we don't give our devotion to God, but give our devotion to other things. But also pray... Oh, I've lost my place. Just give me a moment. That's it. Pray that we would be a people thoroughly in the world. Pray that for us. Pray that we would be a people that get stuck into our workplaces, our schools, our communities, that we'd make friends, that we'd be a sent people. But as well as praying, let yourselves be changed. And finally, I want to show you how the two things that Jesus prays for, so being a community, being united, 
and being in the world yet not of the world, how those two things are inseparable. He's praying for a community that would be like this, not individuals. He's praying that as a people, we would be different and as a people, we would be in the world. Think about it for a moment. How are we going to walk this line of being in the world, yet not of the world? I know for me, the truth is I cannot do this on my own. I need my mission group or the people I'm in accountability with to ask me those tough questions. Like, who are you spending time with? Or are you really any different, Hannah? How's your devotion going with God? Like, are you, where are you um, sort of being compromised in your walk with God? Are you distinct? And are you being sent? I need them to ask me those questions. We can't do this on our own. We need each other to provoke us. But also, how does the Bible say we'll make an impact? How does Jesus say people will know him? Well, John 13 verse 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is how we will have an impact in the world. People will see us loving each other, as I talked about in the beginning, sacrificing for one another, forgiving one another, in community, laying our lives down for each other. And people will know that there's a reason, because without God, it's impossible. Without God changing us, we can't do it by ourselves. We try for a little while, but it's impossible without him. And I've seen the reality of this making an impact The students here, like, you guys are amazing. And I know the reality of you living lives with each other, loving each other, but yet being so in the world in your university and on your courses, making friends with people, playing sports. And I know that people ask you questions, don't they? They want to know what's going on. They want to know why you live in this community, loving and caring for one another. I'm so excited about the feast that's happening on Saturday where you guys have been fasting and praying and there's going to be a big celebration. And my prayer is that people will really see what it looks like for you guys to celebrate and love each other. And I live in Holbeck. A group of us moved a few years ago um, to live there. And there too, I've seen the impact when people... Like, they're so confused as to why we've all moved in there together. And when they get to experience something of our friendship, we're not perfect and we mess up a lot. We need plenty of grace for each other. But um, when people get to see the love that we have for each other, it does cause them to ask questions. It makes an impact because people are desperate. They're desperate for community. People who don't know God are like wanting, that in their hearts, they're wanting to know what it's like to be accepted and loved just for who they are. People are hungry for this, to see this kind of thing happening, to see Jesus' prayer accomplished. So can you see what Jesus says is the meaning and purpose to our lives? The purpose of your life, the purpose of my life, is to be part of this kind of community, to be part of a people who lay down their lives for one another, but to be set apart for God and thoroughly in the world. There's no either or. This is God's plan for how he'll show himself to the world. So can I ask you, as we approach the prayer week, will you join with me in praying this for one another? We need God to help us, don't we? It's hard. 
It's really hard living this kind of life, but it is what he wants for us. So let's join Jesus in praying for it, but let's be part of the answer. So as we finish, what has this passage taught us? Well, Jesus, he's praying in for his disciples, and we get to see what it is that he'd want for them, and so what he wants for us. How does it teach us to pray? Well, it teaches us to be bold. We're children of our Father, and we get to be with him, and he wants to be with us. Let it cause us to run into his presence. And what does he teach us to pray? That we would be united, and that we would be sanctified yet sent into the world, and what an impact this will have. Our vision here at Mosaic is that we be a family on a mission, that we would join God to build a community that transforms our world. Let's pray that for our community, just as Jesus prayed it for his first believers. But as we pray, let us all be changed. Great. Do you want to get to your feet? And I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll um, worship as we finish. Can I ask you to be really open to what God wants to say to you? Um, kind of like ask him what it is that he particularly wants to speak to you about this evening. What does the Holy Spirit want to prompt in you and do in you tonight? Why don't you close your eyes? Just helps us focus on God. Maybe if you want to, you might want to stretch out your hands to show that you're open to him. Oh, Father, we do um, come to you boldly as your children. Thank you that we don't come to you because of anything we've done. Thank goodness for that. But we come to you because of the work of Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us again our sonship, that whether a man or woman here tonight, we'd know that we're your sons, we're your children. And Lord, I pray that you would um, speak to us about where we are not unified with one another, particularly if we have any unforgiveness in our hearts. I pray that you would draw that to our minds and you would give us the power to forgive this evening and Lord we want to be we say together that we want to be a people a community that transforms the world we want to be a people who are thoroughly in the world but are completely different and we need you Holy Spirit would you speak to us would you encourage us would you provoke us where we need it tonight Lord would you empower us to be a people that make a difference in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.